basically we all have this like capacity of stress that we can handle before we move into what's called our stress response, which is like that fight, flight, freeze response where we can like feel the, like viscerally feel the difference when we, you know, in our body, in our mind, in the way that we're thinking. Um, And what's really important about knowing that is that once we actually do cross that threshold, um, the way in which our brain functions is different. And so when we are chronically in this like fight or flight state, the part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex that is um, responsible for this like higher order thinking. So critical thinking, intaking new information, exercising judgment, forward planning, that is totally inaccessible. Like that is not a part of our brain that we are able to use when we are chronically stressed. Welcome to the Business Playdate, a podcast hosted by Lindsay White and Betsy Moorhead two internet strangers turned business besties. We're two marketing professionals living across the country, raising our kiddos while running our own individual businesses. We built these businesses based on our experiences working in corporate management roles with the end goal to be able to show up for our families first. And we did it. We're so happy you're here with us. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hello, how are you? Hello, I'm doing wonderful. I it's another day, you know, doing good. Holiday holiday time over here. It is the season, I know. Um so this has kind of been like the craziest week. Ellie got sick, like tummy bug sick, like virus, Ugh. like throwing up all night. And I just haven't recovered from that yet. Like, thankfully, I'm not sick, and the baby hasn't gotten sick, nor has my husband. But like, that stomach virus business is no joke, and the flu is going around like crazy. So I was just like feeling oh. her head every five seconds when she stayed home, like making sure she wasn't getting a fever. So we're good. She's at school. I just Godspeed for the rest of you. I know. I know. I saw a meme that was like. Um, moms the week before Christmas trying to, or the two weeks before Christmas or whatever, trying to like hold it together. It's like school parties, teacher gifts, uh, every kid in the world is getting sick right yeah. now. Like we're all just trying, the elf on the shelf, we're all just trying to hold it together. So. Right. I'm like over here, like, oh my gosh, I've barely bought gifts for anyone else, like in my children. And it's just chaos. I can't, I can't handle it. Oh no. Well, speaking of chaos, this is like this episode couldn't have come at a better time because we have uh, another guest expert for you guys today, Jennifer Bartlett. She is a licensed therapist. And let me tell you, this episode, just like this conversation, I should say, gave me like so much clarity. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, like, massive breakthroughs, massive changes coming to Lindsay White's life in 2024. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Jennifer for all the listeners out there. She is a licensed therapist, yoga teacher, and owner of Woven Wellness, a holistic psychotherapy practice in Birmingham, Alabama. She aims to create spaces for individual and communal healing for women. And in her individual therapy work, Jennifer specializes in working with women seeking relief from anxiety, healing from trauma, seeking more fulfillment and purpose and navigating life transitions. Jen also specializes in training uh, women in perinatal mental health, and she's passionate about supporting women on their journey to and through motherhood. Snaps for that. Snaps. 
Prior to opening her own practice, Jen spent many years working as a therapist in a residential facility in New York City and a group therapy practice in Houston, Texas, treating adults and with a wide variety of mental health concerns. And not to mention, she is a very dear personal friend of mine. Her husband and my husband are the best of friends. And she is just a gem of a human. So I'm so sweet. So glad we got to bring her onto the podcast. Yes. This conversation, as mentioned, full of breakthrough moments for us, as I'm sure it will be for all of our <laughs> listeners. But we really covered the gamut on a lot of things here. But I think the the main focus of our conversation was managing the overwhelm as it pertains to being a mom and a business mm-hmm. owner, but also taking a look at chronic stress, oh. which you know, uh, I think we got to the bottom of my five-week-long bronchitis situation. I think we did. I think like, we did. <laughs> we know what's going on. Um, but some of the most impactful pieces of this conversation to me were, of course, these breakthrough moments. But mm-hmm. Jennifer really talks about these core five, and I can't stop thinking about them. Yeah. I like raved to my husband about it afterwards. Like, listen to this, all of these amazing things that are really should be our baseline. Like, what we should be doing to not have chronic stress, like before you can even do the little biohacks or the tricks and tips, you know, you got to have this baseline. So listen in, we are going to dive into these five things that you should be doing amongst a bunch of other things, tips, tricks, ideas, ways to manage your own chronic stress and overwhelm. Jennifer Bartlett, welcome to the Business Playdate. Thank you all so much for having me. We are so excited that you're here today. Thank you. We are. We are. So we want to just jump right in to the Playdate portion of the Business Playdate. So could you just tell us about your journey? How did you get to where you are today? Um, Yeah. Kind of. Let's let's hear it. Yeah. Let's jump in. Um, So I, before becoming a therapist, I spent several years working in education. So like within schools and a nonprofit kind of around the educational equity space. Um, But I kind of always knew, I always had an interest in psychology. That was my major in undergrad. I always knew I wanted to go back to the mental health field, just wasn't quite sure what that journey would look like. Um, And so anyways, went back to grad school, became a therapist. Um, Honestly, didn't ever really see myself having a private practice or doing what I'm doing, but that's how most journeys go. Um, you know, I started, um, right after grad school started working as a therapist at this agency that did a lot of different community services, but one of them was they had this residential building where we served, um, adults who had pretty severe mental illness and a history of homelessness, um, and kind of worked in their, um, in their residence, like where they lived and, um, really got to see kind of the, um, really the more of the context of like what influences our mental health outside Mm -hmm. of what's happening in our mind. So a lot of that work was intentional community building, supporting people, navigating relationships, helping them interface with healthcare systems, public assistance, like all kinds of things, right. That are just hard. Um, and then life, brought me back to Houston. And then I started working at a group practice there doing more individual therapy work, kind of long-term individual therapy. And I loved it. Like just absolutely Mm -hmm. loved like going deep with like somebody in their life and like what they're struggling with and really getting to walk with them through a lot of different seasons. Um, 
So I did that um, for several years. And then life brought us to Birmingham, which was um, a really unexpected but great move. Um, and also like caused me to really think about, okay, what am I going to do? Because it was this really natural time to pause and figure out, okay, I got to like pivot a little bit here because I can't stay in my practice that I was in. I, I joked that I would have retired in that little office because it was just lovely, the people I worked <laughs> with. Um, it was so great. Um, so anyways, now I'm here. I spent, and I can talk more about kind of how I started what I'm doing um, if you want, but I kind of took some time to step back, reflect on what I wanted. And then in April started my own, my own practice here in town. So it's been, I love you know, that been a journey. So I want to dive in a little bit on what what was that process to figure out what you wanted to actually be doing? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if that's a great question. I feel like it's hard to put words to it sometimes. Honestly, I think some of it For was sure. <laughs> it was like a lot of um, – some of it I was just forced to do because of circumstances. Um, yeah. And some of it was intentional. I like to say it was more intentional than it was, but it really wasn't. Um, I think that, you know, we, so we moved to Birmingham. I had a five month old. I knew I didn't want to jump right into working full time again. Um, and I was really lucky in that, like, I had a stable caseload of Texas clients that wanted to stay with me. So I was able to kind of stay afloat with some virtual therapy, which gave me the space of about like eight or nine months to just kind of, have some time to think about like, what is it that I'm seeing in clients that um, are themes that I can kind of like use to build the foundation of my practice here? But also, what is it that I'm really enjoying working with? I kind of like started to notice what am I drawn to? What am I really energized when I'm talking about when I'm learning about? Um, and so kind of from that, I think some themes arose, like I noticed that um, you know, in all the work that I'm doing, the people that I saw making the most progress that they wanted to make were the people that were doing individual work, but were super connected to community. And they were like doing work outside of my office in relationships with other people. And so that was something that I wanted to weave into my practice that kind of rose to the top for me of like providing community spaces, particularly for women to connect authentically. Um, and then another piece that really came up, which is a lot of my, I mean, probably 80 to 90% of my caseload right now are women in this perinatal season of life. So um, either thinking about conceiving, trying to conceive, walking through infertility, pregnant, postpartum, early motherhood, that whole season. Yeah. Um, Cause y'all, it is rough. And it is <laughs> rough. I was rough. just going to ask you, like, what is, when does perinatal season end? I, I mean, I don't know. Is it ever going to get easier? They say it does. So it does, right? I don't know. It does uh, eventually. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's hard. Go ahead. Sorry. How was that? No, you're good. How was that? I mean, so I know you personally, so I know a little bit about your journey, but how was it like moving to a new state? You said, you know, you had a five month old at the time. And like, what was that like for you as far as um, balancing motherhood and new motherhood, right? Mm -hmm. And building a business? What was that like for you? Oh, I mean, it was, I mean, I feel like hard doesn't even really describe it. You know what I mean? Like, it is just yeah. in the midst of that, like, postpartum just kind of like identity struggle. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know who you are. I used to get identity from work, but that feels inaccessible now. And like, yeah. now I'm just kind of like, 
have no autonomy over my time and what I'm doing. Like it just was kind of this big, there was, I mean, there was a season where it felt really cloudy and it was, um, it, it wasn't clear. Like it was, Mm -hmm. there was, you know, some hard conversations with, um, my husband, with my therapist, shout out to Victoria, if she's listening, (laughs) um, she's, uh, fantastic. Um, it just, she does listen. Oh, good. Okay. Well, she will co-sign that it was a really hard time. Jen and I share a therapist. Sorry. Did I just like out you there? I didn't mean to. No, I talk about it all the time. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was, um, there were a lot of hard conversations there. Um, it also, I think it was hard because I, it wasn't, the move wasn't expected. It was really a good move for our family, but it wasn't expected. So that was challenging. Um, and like, who feel that one. Yeah. Okay. You know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, you can know it's the right thing and it's still be really hard. Right. Yeah. We moved a year ago and it's been the hardest year of my, it was a shotgun move and it's been the hardest year of my life. 100%. Yes. And it's like, you have to remind yourself like, okay, this is why we did this. There's a reason for this. I know it's good. Um, but in the moment you're like, what is happening? Um, but a lot of that, honestly, it was a lot. Yeah, of that. it was a lot of like a lot of days of like I have no idea what's happening, and then eventually, the next right thing, the next right thing, just kind of. So you've had your own private practice, woven wellness, since April of this year. Yes, that's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's still pretty new. It's like yeah, not even a year yet. So, so is it all virtual, or are you in office as well? No, I'm in office. Yeah. So um, locally, I see a lot of Birmingham clients um, here. And then I, so I'm licensed in Alabama and Texas. So I have um, anywhere in Alabama, I can see somebody in in Texas people as well. Very cool. I have a very tactical question for you, but I'm always fascinated by uh, like brick and mortar businesses. How did you find your office? space? Like, was that something weird that you had to kind of like get your mind over? Like, oh, I have to invest real money in like real walls for an office. Yeah. No. So I think it was a little bit of an easier jump for me than most because I had been used to, I had an office in Houston and so I was used to kind of what that looked like. Um, But yeah, it was so I'm actually, I'm in my office right now, but I'm only going to be here for like two more weeks and I'm actually moving to a different office. Um, But I found through like friends that are all kind of coming together to share a co-working space. Um, and I'm actually going to be sharing my office with a lactation consultant because we kind of serve the same population, which will be yeah. nice. But um, it was so daunting. I had no idea where to start. I was like, I don't, mm-hmm. I, I, do I find a realtor? Do I not? Do I talk to people? I don't know. It was really strange. <laughs> I feel like it's one of those things where you don't know what you don't know. And yeah. Going on this business journey, I feel like there's so many of those. You just don't know what you don't know, which is part of why Betsy and I started this podcast is we want to bring people to see what that looks like a little bit more. But finding an office space sounds very daunting to me. Yeah, it is. It was. Hence why I'm like tried one for like six months. I'm like, this is nice, but I want to try something else. (laughs) Well, it'll be, I think it'll be really cool. So one of the things that you had mentioned that really stood out to me was talking about that community Mm -hmm. aspect and how... I think you mentioned it helps bring people kind of up from their mental, like a mental clarity standpoint. And it's cool that you're going to be sharing your space now with someone who you're creating a community with now, you know, like they are now part of your direct circle of people, I don't know, in your space. Yeah. No, I like, yes, it's 100%. Like I, um, just even my clinical work, I mean, this is, I don't say a lot of things very definitively, but this I do. I'm like, healing happens in community, period. Mm -hmm. Like there is like not, there's only so much work that we can do one-on-one in my 
world where if you are actually out in your life, applying what you're doing in relationship with people, authentically showing up, like that is where healing happens. That's where transformation happens. And I think it's true for business too. Like we have to, I mean, that's why you're doing this, right? Like we have to be able to show up authentically and talk to each other about what's happening. Jen, don't make me cry on this podcast. (laughs) We're only a few minutes in. I know. (laughs) I know, but it's so true. And like Lindsay said, that's one of the reasons we started this podcast. Like we just... We just feel very strongly about that. Exactly, yeah. almost exactly what you said. Like building community, finding people who are in similar seasons to us, and bringing them a space where we can all discuss this and you know be there for each other. So I love that. Totally. I love. And there's that. so much power in like hearing your experience reflected back by somebody else, right? Like just to hear, oh my gosh, you're experiencing that too. Like it's not just me. Like that immediately just helps us feel so much more connected and not alone. There's so much power in that. It's so true. <laughs> Absolutely. I <Yeah>. know. <laughs> well, I know today we wanted to talk a lot about the overwhelm. Yeah. So I think that's the word of the day. Everyone, I mean, geez, how often do I, my son started saying, I just feel really overwhelmed <laughs> right now. I'm like, I know you got that from me. And I'm like, I probably need to stop saying I'm overwhelmed. That is so <laughs> funny. So, I mean, talk to us about that. There's so much overwhelm with motherhood and then being business owners and all of the mental load of just all – I actually saw this TikTok that was hysterical. Someone's husband was complaining that she didn't put out Christmas cards and she's like, fine, you do it and like listed out all the things that go into Christmas cards. He's like, yeah, no, I'm good. No, thank you. (laughs) Right? So talk to us about that. What does that look like? Like, What does overwhelm look like and what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, it's such a big question, right? Because I think overwhelm can look a little different for different people. But I think, um, you know, if I think about somebody coming to my office saying what you said, like, I just feel so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Um, you know, I, I kind of usually go a couple of different directions. Um, of course, somebody's coming to therapy because they want relief, right? So I'm going to talk to them about like immediate things we can do to get relief, which I can dive into in a second. But I think like the bigger conversation and like the context with which I'm thinking about this in is that like if we are chronically feeling overwhelmed, and I mean like the kind of like physical sensations like muscle tension, our sleep is disrupted, our mood is different, you know, all the things we all experience, right? Check, check, um, check. <laughs> no, like we're not, we're like our fuse is a little shorter. All of the things that like chronically when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, like if we are feeling that like outside of like really acute circumstances, right? But like most of the time, I think my question is then like not how do we mitigate the symptoms, but how can we use the symptoms as like a guide or an invitation to us to like get a little introspective about what is actually, what unmet need do we have that's leading to this? What, um, what are we doing in our life that feels out of alignment? That's like making these kind of things happen for us all the time. Because I think, and I don't know if this speaks to y'all's experience or not, but I think most of us have been given this narrative that like motherhood or parenthood is synonymous with exhaustion and Mm -hmm. burnout and depletion, which like, let's be honest, like it is sometimes. Um, And like, I actually don't think that that is the narrative that we should accept. You know, I think that we can use those um, symptoms for lack of a better word to start to get curious about what's actually not working in our life to lead to more long-term, long-term sustainable change. 
that makes sense. Absolutely. Okay. What would you say for someone is the first step? So obviously yeah. to look inward, but how do we do that? I know. How right? do we look inward to figure out what's not working? Yeah. So that's not the first conversation I have with somebody. Because if I said that when they came in, they'd be like, bye. I've never this is not helpful. <laughs> I know. That's like after a little bit of work, you know? Um, Sorry. I'm over here just like diving deep. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's totally fine. Um, but I would be so annoyed if I went to a therapist. I'm like, I'm overwhelmed. And they hit me with that. I'd be like, No. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I think, you know, where I start, and this is like so frustratingly simple, but I think we start with just like taking a baseline of how are we doing in all the areas of our life that we know influence our mental well-being to the basics, right? Like how are we sleeping? How are we eating? Are we regularly eating food that makes our body feel good? Are we moving regularly? Are we getting outside? How are our relationships? Like you spending any time in nature? Are you connected to community? Um, do we feel a sense of purpose? Like these other things that we know influence the way that we're showing up on a day-to-day basis. And I think if a client looks at me and they're like, I have no idea. I feel like I'm not doing any of those things. Um, the place I always start is, um, can we focus on sleep and movement first before anything, right? Like if we're not sleeping, like Betsy unfortunately probably knows today, right? Yeah. If you're not sleeping, yeah. um, it affects our whole well-being. If we are feeling chronically stressed or feeling anxious, the fastest way to downregulate our nervous system is adding in a little bit of movement or a little bit of intentional breath. Like those, if we start with those two things, just to get our head above water, then we can start to have these bigger conversations. I saw a video on your Instagram where you like had your hand on your chest and mm-hmm. like you were doing a breathing exercise. Um, is that, I mean, like, are there specific types of intentional breathing exercises like that, that, yeah. that help different yeah. s- situations? Yeah, I'd say, so sometimes I feel like we often, we like overcomplicate this. And I think the easiest thing to do is if you need some immediate relief, um, take some intentional breaths, probably for like a minute or so, where your exhale is longer than your inhale. That is key. Because if your exhale is a little bit longer than your inhale, it's actually going to activate your parasympathetic nervous system. That's kind of like your rest and digest part of your nervous system. That's going to um, take that stress response down. That's going to manually kind of calm your body down. But that's the fastest way to do it. Taking a breath right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Need a lot of them. Yeah. No, we all do. I know. Well, so most of our listeners are moms and business owners, and as are the three of us. Um, like when it comes to stress and chronic overwhelm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, there's two different ways that it can come at you, especially when you're a working mom. Um, so like what are some experiences or things that like have come across your desk of ways that maybe you've recommended how to how to handle that. Yeah, yeah. So I think um the first thing that I do kind of after we've had this conversation of like let's get our head above water, right? Is I do a lot of um education around what our stress response is and our stress what's called our stress cycle because I think once we have this context it helps us intervene and manage a little bit more effectively. Um, so when I talk to clients about this, um, basically we all have this like capacity of stress that we can handle before we move into what's called our stress response, which is like that fight, flight, freeze response where we can like feel the, like viscerally feel the difference when we, you know, in our body, in our mind, in the way that we're thinking. Um, 
And what's really important about knowing that is that once we actually do cross that threshold, um, the way in which our brain functions is different. And so when we are chronically in this like fight or flight state, the part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex that is um, responsible for this like higher order thinking. So critical thinking and taking new information, exercising judgment, forward planning, that is totally inaccessible. Like that is not a part of our brain that we are able to use when we are chronically stressed. I don't know if you've had this experience of like, um, <laughs> sorry, you're about to say something. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, go ahead. So is this something that you can be in a state in for a really long time? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just checking. We're not designed to be, but unfortunately right. we can be. And sometimes if we find ourselves in this like hyper aroused state for a really long time, you might notice, I don't know if this resonates, but you might notice that after a period of time, your body kind of crashes and we go into this, what's called hypo arousal, where we might notice like our body feels heavy. We have no energy, maybe a little apathy. Like it's like a true like crashing. Could you get bronchitis for five weeks? You think? One thousand percent. Oh my God, Lindsay. (laughs) I think I'm there. (laughs) One thousand percent. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's like so much, I won't bore you with all the research, but there's so much about connected to our, like the actual experience of being in our stress response and our immunity and the way that our um, body is able to respond to illness. It's fascinating. Um, It's wild. Yeah, that is wild. I had actually been wondering about something similar to that because I know I have been chronically stressed, as mentioned, a year. I've been moved. I've been crazy. And then I got so sick and I had heard something where it was like, when you're so stressed out, all of a sudden you have like a change. So we moved into a house and it's like my life kind of started finally falling into place. And then I just, my body was like, okay, I don't have to be so stressed out anymore. You, you're going to get sick now. And it's like a sickness that I can't kick. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder, I just felt like inside, I was like, I feel like this is like a response in my body totally. to all of the circumstances that yes. you know, I'm in or I've been putting myself through. Yeah. It's fascinating to 1, hear that that's a real thing. Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's so like, I know this is such a therapist-y, like probably cringy thing to say, but um your body, like, honestly, your body communicates so much with you, like through physical sensations, through illness, right? And oftentimes when we're chronically stressed, there are other mechanisms happening in our body that either mask them or are diverting our attention. And so sometimes we might've been sick for a lot longer, but when we get out of our stress response, then the body's like, oh yeah, like here's bronchitis, you know, like here's all the things that that has been brewing that maybe we didn't realize. Oh my gosh. Wild. It's so wild. Yeah, it's oh, but sorry. Um, to go back to the, to kind of finish what happens there. So I don't know if you've also had this experience, but when we're in our stress response and that part of our brain is not functioning in the same way, um, if somebody comes at you with like logic, reason, words, it's like totally over your head, right? Like mm. we literally cannot process that information. So the strategies that we often use when we're feeling chronically stressed are not as effective because they're targeting that part of our brain. And so there are lots of different ways that we can kind of um, attack this in terms of like doing more body-based interventions, kind of calming our body down to a state where then that part of our brain comes back online. And then we can hit it with like the planning and the problem solving and the reason. But if we're trying to do that when we're up here, like it just literally doesn't work. 
think we're, we're both just like shook at all of this. Mind blown. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Oh it's my crazy. Gosh. Well, tell us too more about like you were talking about moving your body. I know in yeah, your yeah, practice, yeah. like you also teach yoga. And so can you talk a little bit more about specifically like moving your body, different yeah. types of exercises you can do. Cause like Lindsay and I are both avid, like yeah. let's go on a walk, you know, like we'll tell each other, yeah. like I'm going on a walk today. And, and I know for me personally, like that really helps my mental state is like yeah, making time totally. to get outside or go for a walk every day if I can. Um, but yeah. So what types of movement might be good to kind of help reduce the chronic stress yeah. and overwhelm? Literally anything that feels accessible. Like it's it's less important what you're doing, just moving your body. Like it it there's no specific thing. I think anything that is going to feel like it is easier for you to do on a regular basis, because I think we can do it in response to stress, which is helpful, but I think we can do it proactively, like weaving it into your lifestyle that actually over time builds our capacity to manage stress. So we actually are kind of increasing our tolerance. Um, and when we find ourselves kind of like in this, um, what's called like a stress cycle, and we can imagine this as like a tunnel, right? Like we're starting at the beginning of the tunnel where like we're seeing something brew and like it's about to be stressful. And then we move through and like we imagine the middle of the tunnel is like we're in it, right? Like toddlers tantruming or something's like not working at work or something like that. We're like dealing with it like right there. We often confuse the removal of the stressor, whether it's the screaming toddler, the deadline at work, whatever it is, as the removal of the stress. And that's not actually true. The stressor and the stress are different. The stress is like the physiological sensation in our body. And so if you think about like whatever the stress is, moving a toddler, whatever it is, when that is taken away, the stressor is moved, we have to go back through the tunnel. We have to finish the stress cycle. One of the easiest ways to do that is movement. And so if we go for a walk, if we do yoga, if we do a spin class, like literally whatever it is, if we can move our body, and there are a couple other things too, if movement really isn't your thing, like that actually moves us through this tunnel, completes our cycle. Um, and what happens, and we might experience is if we don't do that, we stay stuck in the tunnel and then the next stressor comes and then the next stressor comes and then the next stressor comes. And that's when we start to get those feelings of overwhelm and burnout. And we kind of have this sensation for some people that we're stuck in the tunnel with like our gas on the accelerator and the brake. Like we have all of this stuff churning inside of us, but we can't actually move and we can't actually do anything. And that leads to burnout. Yep. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we, we all need to be moving. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. All the time. Not all the time, but try as, as much as you can. When it's 32 degrees out, I need to be out there. Get a walking, walking pad <laughs> for your new office. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have to be outside. I, there's something about being outside when I'm like walking or yeah. like if I went for a jog. Like I, I can't do it on a treadmill. And I don't know. Maybe that's there's like some science behind that, but I don't get the same like jazz from yeah. it. Yeah. Well, but I think that's like, well, yes, going outside and being in nature obviously is going to be beneficial. But like, I think you're proving the point that like, do what makes you excited. Mm -hmm. Like do what works. Yeah. For you you know what I point. mean? If like treadmill isn't it, then don't do it. Like going outside. Yeah. So we're moving our bodies. We're, um, you know, we're, we're not removing the stressor. We're trying to take ourselves through the stress cycle. All of these, mm -hmm. you know, things that you've talked about. 
Um, what, like, is there anything else that is like a, a way of us to somehow make it through the tunnel without yeah. co- chronically adding on more and more and more? Yeah, definitely. So there is this fantastic book called Burnout. It's by yes. doctors. Um, I think it's Emily and Amelia Nagowski. I'll have to double check. They're sisters, that. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brene Brown had them on back in the day. Yeah. Okay. I have it on audiobook. I've been meaning. Yeah. Um, such a good book. A lot of this um, comes from their work. So they're, if you want to dive deep and like learn about this, that I would highly recommend that book. But they talk about, um, I want to say like five or six science-backed ways that you can really move through the tunnel. So movement is one, breath is one, um, laughter is one actually, but not like the like, haha, like polite <laughs> laughter, like true, you know, yeah. like real, like authentic belly laughter. Um, a Like a, a good cry actually is really regulating for our nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a cry that like feels like we are kind of sitting in it for a really, really long time. I mean, like, five minutes Mm -hmm. or so, like just to kind of let out and release some of that emotion. Um, Well, if you think about it, it. sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but if you think about it, that's why kids cry so much, right? They can't regulate Mm -hmm. their emotions and they have Mm -hmm. to get it out. They don't, they can't explain it. And that's like, I think about that all the time when like my four-year-old is, you know, having a day, I'm just like, just cry, just let it out. Like you just Mm -hmm. need to get it Mm -hmm. out. Um, yes. but that makes so much sense. Yeah. I love a good cry personally. I know it's hugely regulating. Honestly, a lot of people, uh, you know, there's a stigma around like, well, this isn't solving a problem. This isn't that I'm like, actually it is getting rid of some stress. So like, it's mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Let's do this. That's a good point. Um, and I'm trying to think of what the other one was. Um, oh, actually this one is a super easy one. Um, a, this sounds weird, but like a, a good, like, hug like 20 seconds like a real like could even like it could be a partner could be a pet but like a real like regulating lean into 20 seconds or so hug where like your body like you can feel your body relax like we are social beings we co-regulate like finding somebody that feels safe to do that um and also like there's a lot of power in creativity so like doing something either um it could be related to work that's creative or not. Like it could literally be like, I don't know what a creative activity would be for someone like crafting, knitting. I don't know. I'm not super creative, but um, something that truly just feels like I'm making something that um, can kind of like get some of this like internal turmoil, like external and out of my body. I feel like the podcast is that for me, honestly. Yeah. Like I feel like Lindsay and I creating this once a week and like, just hopping on and like it, it, I really do feel like it's um, really kind of helped manage my stress level because it's a creative kind of little side thing that we're doing that brings both of us so much joy. Yeah. Yeah. And really. it's not like it's like there's a lot of effort that goes into it, but it feels effortless while yeah. doing it. So it's funny that you say creativity because I absolutely love to like, I made my daughter's Halloween costume. I spent way more money DIYing <laughs> this freaking Halloween costume than I would have at the store. But I had I was it like brought me so much joy oh that God. night and I was like I'm not worrying about anything else. I'm just like creating this and I'm watching it come together and there's so much fulfillment yeah. in that. 
we actually got a question through my Instagram last night for you. Okay. Um, and it kind of relates to this, but it was how can I find something that brings me joy? You know, being a new mom, there's a lot yeah. of things going on. How do I prioritize that or find my my Love thing? That. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's part of like what you just said, right? Like of paying attention to like the like the Halloween costume, right? Like you notice that while you were doing it, even if it's momentary or momentarily like being so wrapped up in this, right? Like being so consumed by this, starting to pay attention to the things that are really either piquing your interest, that are drawing your energy. I think particularly as a new mom, right? Like I think that if there are things that that feels really far away, if that feels like something that we just have no idea where to even start, I again would start with some of these like basic things, right? Because I think what's what's hard about being newly postpartum is that we are in survival mode. And so it is hard to access and have energy for some of these other things, right? Like who's talking about being creative when you have a two-month-old, right? Like nobody's worried about that. (laughs) So I think what I would work with somebody on doing first is like checking in on like, am I sleeping, eating, moving, drinking enough water, getting it outside. Mm -hmm. Once like check, check, check. Once we've got those, then we can start to move up. Okay, now I have the bandwidth to actually start to think about like, what is giving me any sort of joy? Or even if it's not joy yet, like what is just piquing my interest, Mm -hmm. right? Like maybe joy feels far away right now. So what is actually just like catching my attention? And then maybe starting to notice kind of throughout the day and out the week what those things are and maybe notice if we have like themes or things start to pop up. So I would like scale it back um, to little baby steps. And don't trust the influencers on the internet that are doing all the things and showing you. We always talk about, Lindsay says it's like a magazine of their life, you know, like all the highlight reels. Well, I think that's something too. It's like the the doom scroll. I always find myself in this doom scroll and I'm like, why do I feel like there's nothing else I could be doing right now? But I'm stuck in this doom scroll. Like I know my kitchen needs cleaned, but Mm -hmm. I don't have the energy to do it. I'm just stuck here. Yeah, totally. I think that that's probably a constant problem with a lot of people. Oh my gosh. I, you know, it's like, and it trickles down to my office too. I can't tell you like the last time I had a week where I didn't have at least one mom come in and say like, I like truly feel like they were the only ones having this experience, like truly feel like everybody else has got it together. And I'm like, oh, we have to start talking to each other. We do. Yeah. It's so isolating. Well, and social media has created like it was in I feel like it was originally intended to create community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And it has gone so far to where there's no community yeah. within it at all because it is that magazine. It's the highlight yeah. reel. You're only you're seeing isolating things. Totally. Yes. Yeah. You're getting this like curated feed. Yes. My husband frequently goes, he hates that I'm on social media in general. <laughs> um and he frequently goes through my People I follow on Instagram and unfollows all the influencers. He's like, you don't need to see any of that. I'm like, honestly, it's great for me. I don't miss him. Like, yeah. I never even realized they're gone. He's like, I deleted like 20 influencers yeah. yesterday. Yes. It is so funny how like you don't really care once it's gone. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, why did I ever care yeah. so much? I've been there yes, too. Absolutely. And I mean, like, when's the last time we got on social media and got off and you're like, I feel better. Like, I feel so much better. <laughs> never. Now. I know. Never. Never happened. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, okay. So we're moving into a new year. And 
you know, the new year, new me thing isn't really our thing over here. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people, especially moms and anyone listening to this episode, like we want to just be intentional with what we're doing in the new year and like ways of not putting too much pressure on ourselves, you know, reflecting on what happened in the, the last year. So do you have any tips or do you work with people in this way of, you know, setting intentions, but not feeling like overwhelmed by that process? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, if you want like a tangent, you guys are all about like tangible things to do. Oh, yes. Um, a tangible way that I have found to be really helpful is, um, kind of engaging in this, it's more like a reflective journaling exercise, but really what you're going to do is write out, answer the question, like if I am at this date next year, right. And I am like actually happy with the way my year has gone. I'm feeling fulfilled in business. I am like happy with the way I'm showing up for people in my life. Um, spend a lot of time, well, not a lot, but like spend some time, um, writing out with like really specific details, like what does your life look like? They're like, imagine it as if it's happening. Like I am spending my days doing X. I am spending my time with this person. I am engaging in work with whoever. I am working in, like what kind of space am I working in? Where am I working? What kind of projects am I working on? And really talk about it as if it is like really happening. And then once you kind of have this clear picture of, okay, December, 2024, this is what my life looks like. And I am pumped about it then see if we have this picture, can we then start to take it to, okay, if my life is there in a year, what one to three areas of my life did I put energy and time into now? And see if those one to three things can start to kind of guide the way in which you plan your time, the way you make decisions, the way you kind of um, look at the next like 12 months of your year. I love that. I know. That's so good. I want to, so you mentioned earlier, I think it was like five core areas to focus on first, which mm-hmm. is like sleep, what you're eating, movement. Mm-hmm. What what were those areas? Because I feel like that's, that's yeah. the baseline. Like what's this totally. baseline we need to start with? Because yeah. if my life is chaotic everywhere, I don't know if I can pick one to three. I think I just oh need gosh. to start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, always start at the beginning. Like we only move to level two once we're like done with those things. Um, so the things that I think about, right, are like, are we sleeping well? What's our sleep hygiene like? Are we actually feeling rested? Are we eating regularly foods that make our body feel good? Are we um, moving our body on a regular basis? Are we getting outside? I also really am curious about relationship health because we're doing all of this in isolation. We're going to feel awful. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are my relationships and connection to community? Like, I think those are kind of my baseline. And then if we can get that, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. So I wanted to elaborate. I want you, you to elaborate a little bit on um, the relationships and community. What are some ways that people can work on that? Yeah. Or implement more of that into your life. Yeah. So I think it's probably different depending on what somebody's experiencing, right? Because I think, I think one, we have to get realistic about our expectations of community, kind of going back to this social media piece. Like we get this idea that we're supposed to have this like big group of mom friends and we're supposed to have all of it. Like that's just not, it's just not real. I don't know moms have time for that, honestly. Um, And I usually tell people if we have one to maybe two or three 
safe people in our life that we feel like we can be honest and authentic with, like, then we're good. Like, we're good. And so I would, before we start looking externally to all of these, like, can I get this big group of friends? And can we have the big play dates? And can we do the thing? Like, let's start with, like, what are the actual relationships that I can, like, really show up and be seen? And sometimes that exists, right? Sometimes it takes us, like, having a little risk, right? Like, identifying a safe person that I'm wanting to build that with. And sometimes that's a therapist and that's okay too. Like sometimes that is, if that feels really overwhelming and hard just because of like our own personal circumstances, then maybe we start with a relationship that we know is going to be safe with a therapist that they can kind of work with you to kind of build that into. That's what it took for me. I think I was in a place after my second daughter was born that I was, and I I reached out to Jen. I was like, Hey, I know I can't see you, but do you have anybody in mind? Like, I think that this is the next step for me, like to, to really put my mental like health and just journey and check. And, and over the last year, I like building a relationship with my therapist. Like, I feel like too, sometimes people feel like it's like taboo to talk about going to therapy and like, you know, it's like not something that people want to hear about, but it's so funny that like, when I've been open about the fact that I'm in therapy, it's like encouraged. I feel like other people to be like, oh my gosh, like I really need to find somebody. Like I have been thinking about getting into therapy. What's that been like for you? And um, like my friend was very open about her therapy journey with me and another like friend of ours. And I think that also kind of led me to be like, okay, I think this is the next step for me. Um, and so, I mean, my relationship with my therapist is like, like so great. You know, I mean, it's just, it is that like safe person that I feel like I can go and talk to aside from my husband, you know, and like, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, it's just like life-changing. Yeah. Well, and I think it's so, I mean, I think it's so great that you do share, I mean, Mm -hmm. that you're comfortable to share Mm because certainly not everybody has to, but it does kind of give permission. I think a give permission for other people to do it, but also for people that are thinking about it, like to actually hear what it's like. Cause honestly, it's like kind of weird at first. It like, is. Here talking to a stranger about some like really personal stuff. Like it's awkward. It's weird. Um, but it's so, it can be so helpful. It really can. Yeah, definitely. It really can. Um, what else? Like we've just like really covered some really awesome things here. Some ground. I know. I love it. I love it. Lindsay, you had a couple more questions come through. Did you want to ask I did. those? Yeah. Let me pull them up real quick. So we had a couple of questions from the audience. Um, oh, this was a good one. Handling the guilt of wanting to put attention towards cleaning the house or working on your business. Oh I think gosh, as yeah. work at home moms, like it's so... I could, I feel this to my core. Mm-hmm. My house yeah. is in constant mm-hmm. chaos. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes I just have to leave my house because I can't look at it. I just have to, like, <laughs> let me just go work at a coffee shop because I can't. Uh-huh. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> I know. I know. So, okay. This, that is such a good one because I think that like, um, as moms or business owners or both, like there are just always competing priorities and like prioritizing one thing means that we're not going to be honoring another thing that feels really important. Um, and so something I do a lot with clients and you don't have to see a therapist to do this, but we do a lot of work on, um, this is going to sound weird talking about cleaning a house, but 
we do a lot of work around like personal values and about like getting clarity on the things that like truly to your core matter. For some people that is like order and organization and some people that is, you know, there are lots of other things that kind of span the spectrum here. But I think getting clarity on, <clears throat> excuse me, what like two to three or really three to five values are the most important to you can help make some of these decisions like that, again, feels small in the moment, but lead to a lot of guilt can help make these decisions feel more manageable. So we can say like, okay, I value order and organization in my home. I also value my professional life and development. And if I know that like by choosing my professional life, like choosing to work on my business, I'm honoring this value, like, well, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't feel any better that we're not honoring this order and organization in our home, but at least we know the decision I'm making is based in substance, feels really important to me, and is aligned for me with like how I want to spend my time. It can make that those feelings of guilt feel more manageable mm -hmm. and feel like we can navigate them a little bit better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think absolutely. like, yeah, like getting clarity on, and there are some way, and I, I can share some ways that we can do that even without a therapist. It's something that I do with clients kind of going through values assessments, but you can also look them up on the internet. Honestly, there are some values assessments on there. So, <laughs> um, or even like thinking about people that, um, you admire, like maybe thinking about the things that you admire about them can sometimes kind of illuminate personal values that feel important to you. Um, there are lots of other ways if you're interested, but um, I think kind of getting clarity on those like two to three things that feel really important can kind of help help in this situation. That's smart. That's very smart. That's clever. That is very smart. I actually, I did that exercise maybe like a year and a half ago yeah. and I do always, I, I pull out, I have it on a book. And I pull them out and I look at the values and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I need to tweak some things or yeah. I need to lean into this value a little bit more. Yeah. Um, especially even in business. I mean, I yeah. try, I talk about this a lot, but I try to craft my offers or my services around the values that I'm trying to build within my life because yeah. I feel like it's, you create a much more fulfilling business that way. Totally. Yes. And it becomes, it like feels more sustainable, honestly, if you're doing things that are aligned. And I think when we think about like planning for the new year, if you know your personal values, like really have clarity on them, that's such a good place to start from. Um, and usually to kind of tie back to what we were talking about in the beginning, if we're feeling those chronic, chronic feelings of stress and anxiety, and we kind of look back at what our personal values are and match up how we're spending our time versus our values, there's usually a pretty big disconnect there. So that can wow. be a good way to diagnose that too. Yeah. I know what I'm going to do after we get off of here. I'm going to go do a values assessment. <laughs> right? You need your values. I that do. I know. I feel like I've kind of, like, I've learned about this, but, like, Lindsay, I know you did, like, a a values, like, uh, session. Training. Yeah, through the DOM yeah. program. And I remember writing some stuff out, and then I'm taking that Systemize Your Life class right now, and that's part of the beginning uh, part of it is, like, defining, like, oh, your is core that? eight like non-negotiables basically like your your things that like mean the most to you um yeah and so definitely I'm I'm in practice it's a daily practice <laughs> yeah of course That's well cool, this has been incredible and I Absolutely. I am just so happy that you came on to talk to us um we want to wrap up with a few little fun questions so the first one is, you are right, we do love a tangible tip. So 
could you give our audience a tangible tip? It could be personal, yeah. business, therapeutic, whatever. Okay. I was debating on which one I want to go. So obviously I already said the breathing thing. That's an easy one. Um, something, okay. Tangible tip. Something I talk a lot with clients about is something called this like glass ball theory. Have y'all heard of this? No. Okay. Have you heard I of it? I think I have and okay. I love it. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Yeah. So if we're talking about going back, you know, your audience is obviously like juggling a lot of things. We're all juggling things, right? But not every ball we're juggling is created equally. Some of them are made of glass. Some of them are made of rubber. Some of them are plastic, right? So getting clarity on what are my glass balls? What are the things that I can never, ever, ever let drop? And what are the things that I'm like, eh, my house can be dirty. And like, it's not the end of the world. Mm -hmm. Like that ball can fall and it'll be fine. But like my kid can never fall. Mm -hmm. My business cannot fall. My Mm -hmm. marriage cannot fall. Right. But like, eh, like we're getting takeout tonight. doesn't matter. Right. Like being able Mm -hmm. to kind of um, know which ones are your glass balls and know that everything else can kind of fall away and we can pick them right back up. Or maybe some of them are bouncy and they'll bounce back up by themselves and that's fine too. Um, But that can usually, that's pretty helpful. I love that. I love that one. I love that one. Me too. The next question that we have that's a little fun question is non-business related, but what is something that you're currently loving? So a hobby, a book, something Mm. that brings you joy. Um, so first I love like just being connected to like other female entrepreneurs. I'm still so new in this space. So like, it's really cool that y'all are doing this and that I've gotten to know people locally too. So that's like been a big highlight for me. Um, but other than that, I had this really bad habit of like constantly reading. I can never read one book at a time. I've got like two or three constantly. It's, it's terrible. Um, one on audible, one for the morning, one for the, it's so stupid. I but love anyways, it. I have Two of the three I'm reading right now I really love. Um, one is like a this time of year always makes me want like a little romantic comedy kind of thing, which is like normally not my genre. Love it. A, ha- um, a Hallmark moment. Yeah. It's um so this one called Twelve Dates of Christmas. It's as cheesy as the title. How it's cute. lovely. Um, and it's set in the British countryside, so like bonus. Um, but big bonus. <laughs> I know. Is Jude Law there? Uh-huh. I mean, I'm sure if it was a movie, he would be. Yes. <laughs> um, but y'all, I'm reading this book. I'm actually reading it for the second time. I want to tell every mom about it. It is called Whole Brain Child by Dan Siegel. It's you probably I've seen, seen that. It. Yeah. Yes. One thousand percent endorse, recommend. If you are a parent, it helps you understand tantrums and all these things in a very different way. I think you told um, me about that book this summer. Yeah, yeah. I clearly haven't read it yet, but I will. I know. I actually think I have it. Oh, great. So I have it's so good. My terrible habit is that instead of reading multiple books at one time, I buy them all and I don't read any of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I do that too. <laughs> I have like, okay. I'm so not alone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Whole kidding. brain child. Okay. We'll have to yeah, put the link so to good. these and 12 dates of Christmas. We'll put them in the show notes. And 12 dates of Christmas. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, yes. Well, judge me for that one. It's well, pretty, pretty one of the other questions that I got is, are you accepting patients virtually? I, <laughs> so if you could answer that question yeah. and then let no, folks know where they can find you, I think that'd be very yes. helpful. Yeah, yeah. So if you live in Alabama or Texas, yes, I am accepting patients virtually. Um, you can find me at my website. So it's woven without the E, W-O-V-N wellness, um, dot com or um, Instagram woven wellness is the handle um, and you can message me there. 
Are there ways, Jen, that people can obviously follow you online, but are there ways that people can work with you even if they don't live in Texas or Alabama? Yeah. So I, in the new year, I'm going to be offering um, a new service specifically for female business owners. Um, it is There are going to be a couple of limited um, coaching spots for this three-month program that I've designed to um, help people do a lot of what we talked about in the podcast today. So help get clarity on their values, but bridge the gap between their personal values and how that actually um, plays out in their business and really feel like we can craft an intentional vision for your business that includes these values and then talk about ways that that can um, feel and be really sustainable for you long-term. So um, I love that. Yes. What a great opportunity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. Good, 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 good. Okay. So people can just look on your Instagram or your website for more information about that. Yeah. And if you are specifically interested in that, I would say definitely either send me an email or sign up on my website for email um, blast. And that'll be where I'm announcing it first. So uh, that'd be the best way to connect. Awesome. Perfect. We'll put them in the yes, show notes. we will. This has been so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank y'all. I'm so glad that I got to be here. Thanks for having me on. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's all I could say. What an amazing conversation with Jen Bartlett with Woven Wellness. Amazing. Truly amazing. I hope you guys really enjoyed it as much as I know Betsy and I did. We, I mean amazing guest to bring on. We're kind of speechless, I think. I think so. Honestly, yes. <laughs> well, make sure you guys are following Jen, keeping up with her. She's at Woven Wellness on Instagram and it's W-O-V-N, no E in Woven. And make sure that you guys are leaving us a review. We would so appreciate it. This is one of our last episodes of 2023 and um, we got some big goals coming in 24 and your reviews will really, really help. Yes, your reviews help us bring on amazing guests like Jen and keep bringing on really high caliber people. So we would love, love, love to continue to see them come through. We would. We'll see y'all next time. <laughs>